Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf. Just head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V at betonline.ag. BetOnline, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I am Taylor Davis, joined, as always, by Jason Campbell. It's been a whirlwind of, of a couple weeks on the planes. We all know that with the recent change to the coaching staff and kind of the bounce back, really, in the game against Mississippi State. The guys went out to Starkville under interim head coach Cadillac Carnell Williams and forced overtime in a gutsy, passionate game that really wasn't guaranteed that you would see given the circumstances. So we have a lot to uh, talk about and unpack with everything that's been going on. One more conference home game this week as Texas A&M rolls into town. So we'll preview that a little bit, but I mean, Jay, we'll we'll get into the nuts and bolts of this one, but I think the overarching story of last week and last weekend, yes, was the dismissal of Brian Harson, of course, but more than that was interim head coach, a former, you know, not only an alum, but a, a standout, a, a guy who solidified himself as a legacy at Auburn, and now he's in the coaching chair, and you know, we also talked about it's it's the first African-American coach at Auburn as well. It, it, there's so much to it that matters and that people were rejuvenated by it. It it lit fire and put passion back into a program that had really lost it over the course of season. How proud were you to watch that game on Saturday, regardless of the result the heart on the sideline, on the field, it, the locker room post game, and and that was your that's your former teammate. I, I mean, you had to have such pride for what they put out there and how they represented Auburn. Most definitely. Uh, when I think about this football game, I remember leading up to the game. I told uh, Shayla, I said, "I'm nervous," I was, <laughs> uh, just because. You know, Lack's not only my former teammate, he's a friend. Right. And you really want the team to to really go out there and lay it on the line and, and play with the passion and the heart that I know he he wants them to. Yeah. And and everything. So you just didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. and, and and everything. And you want things to go so well for him and for the team. Uh basically definitely in a situation that they're in and you're short staffed already. And and everything, you just wanted these guys to really put out a really good performance. And like Lab was saying, it's not so much about the wins and losses right now. Yeah. It's more so about putting the heart and the passion, the fight, 
the determination, the discipline, serve each other back into Auburn football. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen this team play like it did in the second half against Mississippi State with the fight and passion in a very long time. And it goes back to team uh, players usually take the take whatever their head coach is about. They kind of take that as a team. Absolutely. And you look at Cadillac, he's uh, up and down the field the entire <laughs> game, defense, special teams, um, offense. And I told him, I said, man, I wish you to wear your watch because I just want to see how many, how many calories did you, burn, <laughs> did you actually burn during the game? Because it, it had to be about 10 miles of steps. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was a sight in the sea because you have someone there that played it's someone that wore that AU on the side of their helmet mm-hmm. and someone that represents the university in a big way and they care. And you can see the difference between having someone on the sideline that actually cares about being where they are and having their feet planted where they are and not having their feet somewhere else and wonder if they're going to be there or not be there. Like when you release a lot of the frustration, they went ahead and put a stamp on like, hey, we're going to move forward. We're not going to accept where this program is at right now. So we're going to go ahead and make a change and give ourselves the opportunity to evaluate everything we need to evaluate. And I think they it showed that they made the right decision because mm-hmm. Taylor, it was night and day watching this team play and how they pull for each other. Agreed. And, uh, and it goes all about buying all the way in. Yeah. I totally agree. And look, if if anyone wants to discuss the Brian Harson thing anymore, I felt really good about the episode that we put out last week in regards to that situation. If you didn't listen to it, you can go back to that one for our thoughts on that. I'm not going to continue to, you know, beat a dead horse in that situation. But I will say I do think that this was a clear indicator that it wasn't the right fit. If anyone had any questions or doubts, this game showed that because along with the difference of intensity and passion and fight that this team put on the field, not only was that difficult given the fact that this has been a struggling football team this year, but the logistics of this game, Jay, the logistics of the week of prep, you not only lose your head coach, you lose your offensive coordinator, your tight end coach, some internal guys, people calling plays have not been calling plays this year. And the play sheet that they were having to use was Eric Kesaw's. It was the offensive coordinator's play sheet. They did. Will Friend was literally trying to find his way around the play sheet. This was logistically a nightmare. Like, Cadillac even said in preparation last week that game plan was kind of secondary because it was more so about just keeping everything intact, you know? I mean, everything, the rug got pulled out from under them in terms of of structure, even though it wasn't a structure that was necessarily working. You're nine weeks into season. This is just how this machine is going, you know? Everything got turned upside down on a Monday and everyone gets put into these random situations. You've got a, a short, you know, shorthanded staff. Now guys handling position groups and taking on more players than they've had schedule got turned upside down. Like everything logistically changed. You go on the road to an environment like Starkville that we all know has a lot of noise to it. And 
obviously it had a lot of emotion attached to it, whether, you know, there was relief that Harson was gone or there was concern because of the newness. Emotions were high and you get behind 21 points and they force overtime. I mean, I know none of us are in the business of moral victories. And at the end of the day, it was still a loss. And this team now sits at three and six. And that's upsetting for sure. But I agree with Cadillac. In my mind, this was a win because of everything else they were up against. They weren't only playing against Mississippi State last week. They were up against a gauntlet of emotional difficulty. And they rose to the challenge. Yeah, no doubt. You're 100%. Uh, when you think about the, the week that they had, Monday, it was determined that they was going to move on from Coach Harson. Mm-hmm. So you got to go through the emotions that that takes on as well. Yeah. And, you know, because families are affected, you know, the team is affected. And then you got to think about it. the game is on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you have to – Monday is all about interviews, and everything about, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Them piecing together who's going to be on the staff, who's not going to be on the staff. And then Tuesday come, you're trying to implement a game plan while the kids are in class. And then by the time they get there, you go out and field and you're practicing basically Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Come Friday, you're traveling. And Saturday is the game. So basically you had three days to put together a game plan in which they did uh, to go on a roll into a hostile environment like Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And you get down 21 to three and you come out in the second half and tell us something we haven't seen this football team do in two years is what make second half adjustments. Yep. This team and his coaches made second half adjustments came out there. We stopped rushing three guys only and playing just a sit back zone defense. Let them pick us apart. We started rushing four guys and five guys. We started to create pressure on, on, on Will Rogers and we was able to sack him and, and cause multiple fumbles. We got an interception on him. And turnovers gave our offense a short field. And when we got a short field, we was able to turn those into points. Now you look up and you're like, oh, we're up 33 to 30 with a basically a minute something left in the game. Yep. And that's how that was them making adjustments. And in the second half, not giving up on the run. They came out, they said, hey, we're going to fight and we're going to be physical. And we're going to lean on our bread and butter because they tried to pass the ball. And, you know, Robbie's still struggling when it comes to the passing game. And, you know, he he missed some open guys and, you know, he got to get his eyes up down the field and and not look at the rush so much and not try to find a hole to escape all the time. And that'll come with maturity. But as of right now, our passing game is struggling. So we have to leave heavily on the run, but that means our defensively, we can't give up a lot. So the second half, that's what you saw. Mm-hmm. They shut down uh, Mississippi State's offense, and then from our offense, we was able to control a lot of the clock and run the football and score points. I, I just, I was so proud watching them, and I'll be honest with you, Jason. I think that expectations have probably been kind of low as of late for Auburn fans. I mean, you always keep hope, and you always, you know, are going to pull for your guys and support them, but. I think realistic fans probably thought, you know, this is this is going to be challenging. And look, this team now five consecutive losses and and you maybe just kind of expected, you know, a, a difficult outcome. But you just hoped that they wouldn't completely, you know, let things get out of hand. I I was so proud. I was so proud of the guys. I was so proud of Cadillac. I was so proud to be an Auburn fan, because I think at the end of the day, 
a big part of what was wrong with the coaching regime before this was the lack of Auburn tradition and the lack of, you know, the lack of parallel to what Auburn has stood for, for generations before us, nothing is going to continue to be a photocopy of each other. You know, players change, teams change. College football is an ever changing world right now. So no one expects that we're just going to always be y'all's, you know, Oh three Oh four Auburn, but you, you keep certain things intact and what Auburn stands for and how it's represented and, and the feel that you get when you see those guys on the field, win or lose, that was gone with the last coaching staff. And in one week's time, it was back. And I just, I think that it speaks volumes about, you know, the core that's still intact. And maybe it got overshadowed for a little bit, or it just wasn't being highlighted in the proper way. But this is proof that with the right people in the right places, this team can be good and this team can still be an Auburn football team. And it's not going to happen this year. I think that, you know, we could certainly have a, a good Saturday this week and you expect to win the next week. And heck, you never know in the Iron Bowl. But regardless, this can set things up for a better future. And that's what the priority has been. And I was I was so proud to see the guys tap into that. And, and I just, I think Cadillac is I so genuine and, you know, this is obviously a former teammate of yours and, and good friends. So you can speak to this better than I can, but in every word that came out of his mouth in the past week, since he got this opportunity, none of it has been about himself. It has been about Auburn and it has been about those players and look, I know that that's a lot easier to do when you are an alum and when you do have those experiences to to tap into, but he has a, a perspective on this that was so needed at this point for the, the team and for the fan base, honestly. A guy who reminds everybody what this should be about. He wants to help prepare these guys for life after he wants to give them the best shot at the next level. He wants to be someone that they can turn to. And he wants the fan base to remember what Auburn is all about. Yeah. The one thing about lack is he's going to always be real with you yeah. and he's always going like, he's going to build you up and he's going to motivate you. But at the same time, he's going to sit down with you and, and he's going to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what these guys need is honesty. Like the, get the best out of your players you have to first earn their respect. Mm. And I think he earned their respect by, by the, by one, they saw him, they know that he played there Two, They seen him on the coaching staff. And then three, they seen him all week trying to push them and tell them what they have in them. Yeah. And the only way that they came out in that second half and fought to validate everything that he's been telling them through the week is that they came back and had to, uh, had an opportunity to win that football game. That right there says all you need to know um, about about Cadillac and his character. And these players now, Taylor, they actually believe they can win. Yep. If you watch the games that they played, even the Missouri game, they play like uh, if they don't know if they can win. Yeah. This game, you saw in the second half, like they played and fought like we're determined to come back and take this football game. And – that's the that's the character of him. Like 
Zach's a guy that never quits. He won't accept it. He won't accept mediocrity. He won't accept laziness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be disciplined. There were some guys that didn't even start the game Saturday because they were late to meetings on Friday and wow. Saturday. Wow. And they didn't start. And I just didn't start. They didn't really start at all in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And that's good because you got to teach these kids that they don't make the decisions on the football team on when they want to play and when they want to attend the meetings or not attend meetings. Like, you need to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Nice. And and you need to pay attention to the details, and you need to play for each other. He has taught these guys to play for one another. So I don't know if it was just a dark cloud over the program because of all the stuff that happened offseason, and then every time you lose a game, is your coach going to be fired or not? Played into these kids' minds and everything to where they was distracted and, and wasn't able to put their all into it. Or – if you just think about it overall from just the standpoint of, you know, Coach Harson, nothing against him, but you can see the passion is different. Like when you watch some of these other guys, when you watch Brian Kelly at LSU, he is constantly up and down that field talking and trying to – and whatever he's talking about is his business. But I do on one thing, he's showing some passion, and you're starting to see it on the football field. Yeah. And that's the thing you have to do. As a young person – when you're dealing with when you're dealing with young people in college football and basketball and every sport, the one thing you have to be is a great motivator. You have to get these guys ready to play and you have to get them to have belief in themselves that they can go out and achieve it and not just sit there and say it in front of a mirror, but don't really mean it, but actually mean it when they say it. But then believe that they can actually go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between getting guys to go out there and play and. You know, I just I, I'm a, I'm proud for the way that they what they did at Mississippi State because they didn't lay down and they didn't quit. They did the opposite. They fought and they showed a lot of heart and character. And you saw guys hugging on each other after the game in the locker room, lifting each other up. Yep. And that's what you want to see. That's Auburn football. To me, that's what's going to bring big time recruits to Auburn. To me, that's what's going to bring the excitement back to our program is guys showing up. In the toughest of times, supporting one another. And this Saturday night, that stadium is going to be rocking because you're going to have a lot of Auburn alumni, a lot of Auburn people there to support these guys and to understand, like, hey, all these stuff that these naysayers have been saying about our program and everything, like I've said before, know who your sources are. Most of them did not go to school at Auburn. Most of them don't have a heart for Auburn. And most of them are our robbery. So they're going to instill and put stuff out there to keep people from wanting to come to Auburn. So Auburn is a special place. And if you get in a situation like this and you have a great opportunity to influence men, I respect Lat for saying this. I don't care what happens after the next four weeks. He said, my job is I want to make sure these kids know something that 15, 20 years from now, they'll be talking about these last four weeks of the 2022 season. Yeah, they'll remember this. There's much more here than football. And I think it's been that way. I think there has been much more, you know, challenges and difficulty that these guys have been, you know, privy to inside that building that goes beyond the game. They could have all chunked up the deuces and been like, I'm so over this. I'm checked out. And none of them did it. And you're right. It does take someone instilling that confidence in them, instilling the belief that, this you can make something happen out of this hope isn't all lost like 
they have to be, you know, reminded of that on a, on a consistent basis, given the challenges that have been within that program for the last year and a half. And, and I think you saw a guy who was given an opportunity at a place that means a lot to him and he's taken full advantage of it. And I just, my hat's off to him. I, I think it's been a, a really um, special week that those guys will, will always pinpoint, you know, when they think back on their career, but a couple numbers to run through just because we always do with these games. We did unfortunately end up losing in overtime 39 to 33, but like we said, fell behind by 21 points in the first half, but rallied twice, took the lead in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately we weren't able to score in overtime. They were yada, yada, but Robbie in the passing game has got wherever the heck this program goes, whoever's about to take over. Robbie's got to figure out how to pass the freaking ball because all my guy is doing is running and believe me, he is effective in that regard, but he is one dimensional to a T, you know, he was seven of 22 for 75 yards, but with those legs, 108 yards, his first career game of over hundred yards, rushing two touchdowns and that two point conversion. That was key. But I mean, he is missing open receivers. Those short intermediate routes are so inaccurate. Like that has got to be a focal point. I did want to ask you, I know we're not going to get into like too nitty gritty because I think that uh, the Cadillac and culture conversation is more important, but do you think there's a world in which Robbie gets moved to another position? I would say from his perspective, no. Just I mean, he'll at, say it, no, but. <laughs> I would say not at, not right now. Okay. Like the one thing that he is showing though is his, his like I said, his full athleticism. Like right. plays break down, he's able to extend the play. He's able to, you know, hurt defenses with the legs. That's why it's hard not to have him on the field. Uh, right. you know, he, yeah, he he hurts you in the passing game because he hasn't developed yet in the passing game. But in the run game, he helps you. But at the same time, though, like sometimes we're having to go a longer drive to score touchdowns. If we're able to hit some of those passes, you're able to score a lot quicker. Right. Um, so he definitely has athletic ability, which helps him, you know what I'm saying? And that all depends on, you know, what happens after, you know, when the season is over as right. far as like, you know, which way you want to go. Cause I was going to mention a while ago, or you made some exceptional points. These guys have a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. They do have a lot to play for because yeah. if you're going to be on this roster next year, whatever you show on the tape, these next four weeks, it's going to decide that new head coach you, is watching. Right. Right. Going to decide whether you be on this team or not. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward because with the transfer portal and everything being so competitive now, there's no guarantees because you got that, that uniform on this year right. that you're going to have that uniform on 2023. So you need to be out there playing your best. And I think Lack has helped them understand that, like, guys, you're always being watched. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to have to be competitive, no matter if it's college or pro. So uh, most definitely he needs to show something over these next couple of weeks of of developing better in the passing aspect of of his game. Because if he does that, then he's a dynamic athlete at quarterback because it's hard to defend him. Right. If he can get that aspect going, then this is a totally different offense. Honestly, I do think, you know, an element this entire season, and I would even argue – the past couple seasons, and we faulted Bo Nix a lot, and I'm not going to get into that debate today, but my man has worked himself into Heisman conversations in, in Oregon, you know, and they are the number six team in the nation right now, sitting outside that uh that top four, which, of course, rankings came out, and uh, 
that whole situation is interesting. And of course, there's the argument that, well, the level of of his competition is much different in the Pac-12. If you need proof of that, look no further than their opening game against Georgia, where they couldn't create more than three points. I understand that. But I do think if you have two eyes, you can see that Bo Nix is a lot more effective and efficient at Oregon right now. And I think a direct correlation to that is his offensive line. And our offensive line has been terrible all season. That was not different this past week. They played really, really terribly, and they are not giving any quarterback the opportunity to really settle in, much less one who is still trying to establish some comfortability in the passing game. He has none of it, and so he just his instincts are taking over and telling him to run. It's the same thing that we always talked about with Bo. I definitely think that Robbie has a lot more room to grow in the passing game. I think that uh, Bo's were still kind of habitual, but Robbie, I think it's going to take the right coach fine-tuning him, and they have got to put an emphasis on the offensive line. I, I mean, there is just nothing that really can be done um, until that's that's increased. And another injury, of course, happening to the offensive line. Oxen Troxel is done for the rest of the year. He had a season-ending injury this past week. Brendan Coffey is now listed as starting right tackle for the Texas A&M game this week, so just a little update there. Um but it, of course, it affects every capacity of the offense. Tank had 89 yards and a touchdown on 13 carries. He had a couple big ones, obviously. Jarquez had 54 yards. There were no catches for the tight ends. There were just one target. But four sacks, you know, and, and the offensive line, again, just really difficult in picking up blitzes and, and coverages and, and where their hands are. And it's just... That has to be a point of emphasis. Four sacks for a loss of 21 yards. Three of those sacks were on third downs. So that is just inexcusable. But the defense played incredible. Uh, Derek Hall, you want to talk about guys that take on the personality of a coach. Derek Hall was Cadillac out on the field. You know, I mean, he's but he's been that all year, Jay. He's the he's the energizer bunny for this team. He's the vocal leader. He's the he's the passion guy, you know, so I'm not surprised that he went out and balled out because Cadillac probably juiced him up even more, which is a lot, you know, but there was a season high 10 tackles for loss and half of those were from the D line five sacks. Two of the three turnovers, Derek Hall and Colby Wooden both went off. Derek had a team-high eight tackles. Three of those were for loss. Two sacks, a forced fumble, and a quarterback hurry. My guy was all over the place. So they uh, they definitely did their job. They were flying around to the ball and, and doing what they could. And then, I, you know, forcing the overtime, I, I just think it was it was hard and it was passion and it was having something to play for. So if that is put together, I think the offensive line, really bad team or a bad game for special teams, too, which, you know, you don't always say for Auburn, but it it had been a strength this year. So that that'll have to get cleaned up as well. But um, they, they got to take that momentum into this week, Jay. I think that you're not playing for. <laughs> SEC championship you're not playing heck you're likely not even playing for a bowl game which is very unfortunate but a win this weekend would do a lot Texas A&M comes to town they are it's the exact same story in terms of season both teams are three and six one and five in the SEC five consecutive losses tied for last in the SEC West I mean everything really levels out there in terms of of season narrative but we've got a guy who clearly re-energized this team and put a more 
passionate showing on the field, if they bring that back home to a sold out Jordan hair for this last conference game of the season at home, it does a lot for the morale of this team. And it does a lot to propel us into next year. Yeah, it does a lot for the energy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was telling people when we finished 2003 season, we won our last two games of the year. Oh, yeah. We won the Iron Bowl, we won the bowl game against Wisconsin. And then mm-hmm. we went 13-0. But it's how we finished the year before that propelled us to know exactly what we was building for the next season. Mm-hmm. And you go through some tough times. And through your tough times, you learn the most. And during this time, a lot of guys that will be back next season are having an opportunity to know I have an opportunity to learn so much right now mm-hmm. of why you're in the position you're in, but also how to fight out of position that you've been in and turn it around. So yep. there's so many learning curves here. You mentioned Derrick Hall. Derrick Hall has had a, a successional season. It's just unfortunate it has gone unnoticed because we haven't been winning. When you're winning, everybody gets recognized. When you're not winning, some of those key guys that like Derrick Hall and Kobe Wooten, they get kind of you know, left behind a little bit as far as like, you know, being out in the public eye and people taking notice of what they're doing. But these two guys that came and they wrecked habit, uh, Jeffrey Amber has been playing really well. He played really well in that mm-hmm. game. If you think about from a defensive standpoint, J.D. Rim, a young corner, uh, he started a game and played a ton of reps. Uh, Lester, number 51, played a ton of reps. There were so many guys getting reps in this game, yep. especially on the defense that – hadn't been getting reps all season and that's good because now they're getting experience and that's something you can't teach and if you're in a season where you're like okay we're not playing for a championship you know whether we're playing for a bowl game is probably not likely but at the same time I want to see what all these kids can do now and I just think that you're going to start seeing some guys that have an opportunity to be redshirted Mm-hmm. but still has three games that they can play in that haven't played much yet. You may see them get into some action these next couple of weeks just because they can play up to four games and still be redshirted and not lose a year. So right. you may see a lot of different guys being thrown in rotation, uh, which is going to make this game very interesting because Ted said it was about 19 guys last week due to the flu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their team has been reeling all year as well. And they're playing a bunch of young guys and, Like I said, so they're getting experience and Auburn's playing a bunch of young guys and they're getting some experience. So this is going to make this game Saturday night, you know, an electric game for both teams. And this is what makes it an intriguing matchup. The season hadn't gone either way that each team stepped into this year wanting it to go. But who has to fight down the stretch here to try to end the season on a positive note on an up tier and playing at a high level like you can always go home and sleep good when you know you left it all on the field our guys slept good last saturday night when they got back to auburn because they knew they left it all out there now come this week it gives you a lot more energy because now you want to do what you want to finish it and you want to play at that same level that you play with in the second half, but now you just want to put that icing on the cake. You want to get that W. And yeah. so now it really, really helps turn the table in these kids' mindset, and it really galvanized the Auburn family to get it back to where it needs to be because it hasn't been that way in a while. And and guys have come here from recruiting visits. I'm just like, Y'all hadn't seen Auburn football. Y'all haven't mm-hmm. even seen the Auburn crowd, not even in the Penn State game. The Penn State game for the first half, you saw a little bit of it, but in the second half, it just all went away. So you haven't really even seen how loud and how crazy this place really gets 
when things are out there that you have to play for. And once they get a a taste of that, it's one of the best places to play college football. And for somehow we have let the outside people put so much noise around our program that we have some way forgotten that. And it's up Mm -hmm. to us as the Auburn family, the Auburn players, the fans, and anyone who loves Auburn to help instill that back into our program and back into our people and shut the door on the outside noise and let's just do it ourselves and getting this thing back together because we have the passion that has helped build this program. And that's what we're doing right now is we're trying to get as many guys we can get there Saturday night to be on that field pregame, to be around – just so people can see the unity and see like, hey. You mean like former players? Yeah, former players. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So people can see the unity and understand we have each other's back. Yeah. And if you're going to play ball at Auburn, if you're going to be a great or, or anything like that, you got to have each other's back. You can't mm-hmm. be out there playing for your own individual goals. Mm-hmm. And you got to be out there playing for one another. And that's why Lack is saying his thing. We need to serve and be disciplined. Right. And, and those things because – it's true. Like you can't be serving other people and serving your own interests. You got to yeah. serve the ones around you that's out there that's trying to fight just like you to the, for one common goal. So, I couldn't agree more. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. I hope a lot of y'all are, are able to make it. I, I mean, this one will be, I think it's awesome to see that it's sold out. I saw a tweet earlier that was like, Auburn is three and six, very slim shot of making a bowl game, just fired a head coach pieces are uh, a, a miss five game losing streak texas a&m comes to town who is also trash and this is a sold out game but that speaks volumes about the care that is still in this program and the backing that will always be there for auburn football but to be a championship caliber team that some very key pieces have to be the right fit and so that that has to happen. And I, I think this was the right way to go about it. And putting Cadillac in this situation, you know, reinvigorates what is needed to push this thing, you know, back into a good trajectory. I was just curious, though, if a similar situation happened when you were playing, who would it be, who can you draw a similarity to? Because like for these players, I saw a quote from one of the guys saying that, he had a Cadillac jersey growing up and he like wore it to church and his parents had to like take it off of him when they got to church. Who would have, and to have a guy like that who, you know, you grew up watching and and being a fan of to now be your head coach, it's such a unique dynamic and situation. Who would that have been for y'all if a similar situation had happened? An alum that like y'all looked up to that now had an opportunity to be a coach. Maybe he wasn't really on the staff, but like someone of Cadillac's caliber that y'all looked up to that then stepped into the a coaching role. Oh, that's a great question. Uh you know, that was a few guys. Uh Kendall Simmons, who was actually on the oh, staff yeah. right now as the offensive line coach. Yep. Uh, you know, Kendall was a great guy. I was a freshman, he was a senior, and uh and he used to always, you know, show that great leadership and, and different things like that. Uh, you know, Takio was a guy. Uh, That's that, a good one. 
that, you know, show a high energy. Mm -hmm. I can see him going up and down the sideline like Lack, getting everybody <laughs> up and going <laughs> totally. and, you know, speaking with so much uh, energy and fight to the point that you just want to jump through a wall for the guy and go out there and play football. And yeah. that's exactly what Lack is doing right now. He's getting these guys, you know, where they are run through a wall for him and the staff to go out there and play. You saw Lack and Zach Etheridge mm -hmm. racing last week to call timeout. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like that goes to show you, like it's just not lack. It's also the rest yeah. of these coaches, and it's also these guys all binding to each other. But well, Trevon Reed tweeted that that was the most fun he's had around the game ever. Right, and think about it. Here's a guy that had a exceptional career here at Auburn, and he's standing on the sideline, and he's he knows this. He's been on the sideline with the team for the last two two years. Yep, and so he knows like. The excitement, like, he knows what it looks like. Put it that way. Mm -hmm. Lack knows what it looks like. Kendall Simmons knows what it looks like. Zach Ethers knows what it looks like. Yeah. You know, yeah. these guys know what it looks like. And it hadn't been looking the way it should be for Auburn football. Right. And the second half was Auburn football. Win or lose or draw, Auburn has always came in fault. Mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. a scout to walk up to me Saturday at the game in Mississippi State, and he said, man, the one thing about Auburn that you could always count on when you came to look at them was they was always going to play hard and they was always going to be gritty and it was mm -hmm. always going to come down to a dog fight. Yep. He said, I haven't seen that in these last two years. He was just like, it doesn't look like the same type of football that I'm used to when I come scout Auburn. Wow. And I didn't see him after the game, but I'm pretty sure he probably would have said he saw it. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's what we all said, you know? We were like, we knew you had it in you. Like, it just, <laughs> it, it was awesome to see. And, yeah, I was just curious, like, an alum of, you know, his stature coming in to coach is, is pretty cool. But before I let you go, top 25 rankings and, of course, the top four as the playoff inches closer and closer – I think there was no question who was going to sit at number one after the beating they put on Tennessee. Unfortunately, I was really hoping that game was going to be a little bit closer, but Georgia sits comfortably in number one with Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, and TCU at four. Of course, all of those are undefeated teams at this point of the season. Tennessee sitting right outside at five after that loss to Georgia and Oregon at six. Alabama. We haven't even talked about that. That's how you know things have been crazy in Auburn. Alabama lost in overtime to LSU, and what a game that was. Just incredible. Alabama slides to nine. Clemson also lost. They got pummeled, actually, by Notre Dame. It was a crazy week of college football, but that top four, Jay, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, do you agree? Would you shuffle that at all? Do you think that's probably where it should sit right now? I would flip Michigan- Ah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You, you like the way I it would. is. Yeah, I like the way okay. it is because the simple fact that Michigan and Ohio State gonna cancel each other out. Right. The only way either one of those teams stays in the top, in the final four at the end of the season is it has to come down to a field goal yeah. uh, to win the game. Uh, Tennessee is a team that's sitting in the prettiest spot because they may not even play in an SEC championship game, right. and if Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship games, championship game then that means Michigan and Ohio State are going to cancel each other out. 
So one would be on the outside, and then TCU stays undefeated. TCU moves up to three, then Tennessee will be in that four spot, and then Georgia and Ohio State will be one and two. Right. So it's just so many movement parts that can happen going down the stretch, but TCU now has a target on their back, and mm -hmm. they play Texas this week. That's not an easy game. They're right. in Austin as well. So they could easily fall out this week, and Tennessee could move back into number four, and then there goes Oregon sitting there at number five. Yeah. They haven't played a tough schedule. They only played Georgia. Yeah, they beat a UCLA team that people thought was up and coming, but they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Unless they beat USC. Yeah, that'll beat, be the big one. Right. And beat uh it's one more other to Utah. If mm -hmm. they can beat Utah and USC, they'll beat Utah. Then, then they'll have an opportunity to probably find themselves into having a chance to get into the final four. But it's going that's why we need to hurry up and move this thing to eight to twelve teams. Because <laughs> because it's just so many teams that's deserving to get in that final four. LSU started off slow. If they would have gone for two against Florida State in one, you're talking about them only having a one loss right now. Yeah. And you know, Alabama, they've lost they're two plays away from being undefeated. Except mm -hmm. they're sitting with two losses and everyone has written them off. Yep. So it's just so much around the game of college football. And and that's what makes it fun. That's why I say an eight to twelve team playoff. I prefer eight because eight really gets you the top really eight teams. Agreed. Man, that thing would be awesome, especially just looking at it right now. Oh yeah. I totally agree, especially with the mixture of conferences that you've got in there right now and, and seeing how all of those would play out. So I'm very eager for that to happen as well. But that is currently where things sit. Also, Auburn basketball has officially begun. Welcome back. It was great to see the jungle back in action. The the line wrapped around through the village on campus. You love to see it. So good times ahead. And they go through Jordan Hare this Saturday night. Kickoff is 630 Central Time on SEC Network. It's sure to be a good one. But that's going to do it for us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I think Jay made some really good points about the support and the backing um, that should be here from the fan base, from alum, from everyone as the players and coaches close out this whirlwind of a season. So let's make sure we do that this these last few weeks. Come on back and uh, we'll break it all down for you next week as well. And we'll keep you updated on any of the news that we are privy to. Enjoy the game this weekend, everybody. War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.